Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Keep, O Lord, your household, the church, in your steadfast faith and love, that through your grace we may proclaim your truth with boldness and minister your justice with compassion. For the sake of our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated for the readings. A reading from Exodus. The Israelites had journeyed from Rephidim, entered the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. Israel camped there in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God. The Lord called him to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the Israelites, You've seen what I did to the Egyptians, and, now, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. Indeed, the whole earth is mine, but you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the Israelites. So Moses came, summoned the elders of the people, and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. The people all answered as one, Everything that the Lord has spoken, we will do. The word of the Lord. We will read Psalm 100 responsively, whole verse by whole verse. Be joyful in the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with a song. Know this, the Lord himself is God. He himself has made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and call upon his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his faithfulness endures from age to age. A reading from Romans. Since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For, how, for while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person though perhaps for a good person someone might actually die, dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. You, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. 
Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Then Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus set out with the following instruction. Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without pay, give without pay. Take no gold or silver or copper in your belt, no bag for your journey, or two tunics, or sandals, or a staff. For laborers deserve their food. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who in it is worthy, and stay there until you leave. As you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. Truly I tell you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. See, I am sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of them, for they will hand you over to councils and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings because of me, as a testimony to them and the Gentiles. When they, had, when they hand you over, do not worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you at that time. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and, a ch and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I tell you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The Gospel of the Lord. I'd like to start by wishing all the dads, granddads, and those who have assumed the role of father for someone else a very happy Father's Day. Once again, I itch for a setting where I can get you at tables and give you packs of post-it notes. My question for today would be, what are your guiding principles as a Christian? I'd have you write one on each post-it note, then see if you can sort them. Can you eventually get those post-it notes into only two categories, each with a heading or principle that aptly sums up the post-it notes underneath it? Then I'd wonder, could we do that with what Jesus commissions in our reading from Matthew today? 
Can they boil down into just two main principles? And how do our personal guiding principles compare? Jesus speaks to his disciples today with a sense of urgency. The harvest is plentiful. The iron is hot. People around here are ready to pick up what I'm putting down, but I can't do it alone. I'm going to need more helpers. And here's the problem. The laborers are few. I think we can hear that phrase, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, with a sense that this was a statement of the time. It no longer applies in the present. Over 2,000 years later, Christianity has spread so much that it seems like the harvest is going pretty well, and there are millions of laborers. Check that box, Jesus. But maybe we shouldn't be so quick to pat ourselves on the back. An astute commentary by Caroline Lewis turns our focus toward what the laborers of the harvest are asked to do. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. To boil it down, the two operating principles for God's laborers, helpfully summarized in this commentary, no post-it notes required, are healing and liberation. I mean, we can talk about loving our neighbors all day long, but love is an action verb. So what does it look like to love? Does it look like healing and liberation? Healing might be an act of caretaking, but it can also be an act of acceptance or of listening to untold stories or buried stories or of showing someone how deeply they are valued after a lifetime of being told they aren't. Liberation means opening doors and allowing people in who were held to the perimeter, giving everyone the same rights, privileges, and recognition that some of us have enjoyed for centuries. It's about freeing people from the stereotypes and assumptions held about them, and about freeing others from ideologies that oppress. These two principles help to keep one another in balance as well. People should be free to live as the person they are, but not if it means causing harm or abuse to others. And we cannot, in our path to healing, include the oppression of others. So, as Christians, as a church, both a small C church and a big C church, is it clear that we work to heal those who are hurting and liberate those who are oppressed and imprisoned? Because speaking for myself, I can say that I'm not often the best model for these principles. In fact, many times, through impatience or self-centeredness or a sense of entitlement, I'm doing a pretty good job of living out the opposite of those principles. We live in a world right now where Christianity is shrinking, and it should lead to some serious self-reflection as a community. What happened to the harvest? Could it be that Christianity, sometimes out of good intentions, but also sometimes out of a thirst for power and control, has used the oper operating principles of harm and confinement instead of healing and liberation? Have we trampled the harvest in our zeal to collect it? It's hard to gauge the numbers, 
But I think there are lots of people out there who now do not identify as Christians, but maybe once did, or were at least raised within the Christian tradition. And instead of experiencing healing and liberation in that tradition, they were harmed or constrained and told they were unlovable and unwelcome if they did not conform. A Christianity that harms and restricts is unlikely to pull in and keep a healthy harvest, or as many laborers for that matter. And while Christianity has been guilty of using harm and constraint to remain in control, that institution isn't alone. These operating principles have been in play even before and during Jesus' time, and he well knew it. So well, in fact, that he warned his disciples about the perils they would face. I am sending you out like sheep in the midst of wolves. Beware of them. You will be hated by all because of my name. Jesus' mandate to his disciples to heal and liberate is an unwelcome message to those in power. If people are healed, they are strong enough to push back against unkind and uncaring leadership. If they're liberated, they can no longer be told what to do. These dynamics still hold true today, and so, not surprisingly, Jesus' mandate continues to remain unwelcome among spheres of power, but desperately wished for among others. There are times, too, when I wonder if we should take a deep breath and consider if we might be one of the wolves. Are there times when we don't want to hear about the value of another group of people? I can think of more than one instance when I've been disgruntled because a good, snarky remark from me was deflated by a more generous point of view from my listener. Sometimes I'd much rather feel good about myself by feeling better than another person or group. And while it's no excuse, there's pretty robust research supporting our tendencies toward this in-group and out-group thinking. We all want the out-group to lose, to be restricted, and to suffer. The laborers are few because the job is challenging and risky, and it requires a great deal of self-reflection and humility. How many of us are willing to take it on? I recently attended an event to show solidarity with a group of people who are being targeted and oppressed. But attending an event isn't really that risky, and it isn't that hard to do. I wasn't one of the organizers or one of those on stage. One of the speakers there said something that has haunted me, and it should haunt all of us who already enjoy liberation. They said, if they're throwing rocks and you're not getting hit, you're not standing close enough. Jesus stood close enough, and in the end, so did many of his disciples. Close enough to the undervalued, insisting they have value. Close enough to the oppressed, insisting on their liberation. Close enough to the sinners, insisting they are loved. When we stand close enough, we're likely to get hit by rocks and suffer along with those we're standing beside. But Paul assures us that eventually we'll feel hope through that suffering because of God's love poured through us. It's a hope we can share with those suffering next to us, a love we can help the Holy Spirit 
pour into their hearts too. And that, perhaps, is how we help to heal them, to free them. That harvest, those who are hurting, confined, questioning, and seeking, who are getting hit by rocks, that harvest is as plentiful as it has ever been. There's an abundance of people who are ready for a message of liberation and healing. Are we willing to be the laborers who put those principles on our bathroom mirror, remind ourselves of them every day, go out into the community and get close to those who are pushed away or pushed down, showing them grace, mercy, love and acceptance in ways they've never before experienced? It's a big ask. And it's okay to fail and try again and again and again. The wonderful thing about grace and healing is that it applies to us too. But we haven't been asked to just try and act like Jesus in the world. We're really being asked here to be Jesus in the world. And because of that, it takes no less than everyday acts of healing and liberation to live into our discipleship. Amen. Let us stand and reaffirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the church and for the world. In peace we pray to you, Lord God, for all people in their daily life and work. For our families, friends, and neighbors, Remembering especially Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Bill, our Governor, our Courts of Justice, and Pat and Richard, our Mayors, we pray for this community, the nation, and the world. For the just and proper use of your creation. Remembering especially Sister, Gordon, Becky, Carolyn, Jeannie, Stephanie and family, Bill, Tony, Cal, Louisa, Catherine, Randy, Mariana, Martha, Mike, 
Allison DeWitt, Doreen, Beth, Myra, Rick, Jay, John, Kim, Deanna, Jackson, Jonathan, Patricia, Jonathan, Van, Sarah Beth, Jason, Dot, Mike, Gary, Phyllis, Kim, Diane, Larry, Alice, Matt, Richard, Paul, Daryl, Don. We pray for all who are in danger, sorrow, or any kind of trouble. With the peace and unity of the Church of God. For Justin, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Michael, our presiding bishop, Brian, our bishop, Johnny, our rector, Chris and Gordon, our deacons, and in our diocese for St. Timothy's and St. Timothy's Preschool, Signal Mountain, and our companion diocese of South Dakota for Holy Apostles, Sioux Falls, and for all bishops and other ministers. For the special needs and concerns of this congregation. Hear us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for all the blessings of this life. We exalt you, O God of our King. We pray for all who have died, especially Pat Brixey, that they may have a place in your eternal kingdom. Lord, let your loving kindness be upon them. We pray to you also for the forgiveness of our sins. Have mercy upon us, most merciful Father. In your compassion, forgive us our sins known and unknown, things done and left undone, and so uphold us by your Spirit, that we may live and serve you in newness of life, to the honor and glory of your name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Friends, the peace of the Lord be always with you. And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. May God, the Holy Trinity, make you strong in faith and love, defend you on every side, and guide you in truth and peace. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.